Hello and welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshaw.net. Episode 35. Ensure the use of technology remains a methodology and not a subject. The Irish Times had a headline a couple of weeks ago um, and this is how it went. Sharp drop in primary pupils using computers in school, uh, which obviously caught my eye as someone who's interested in technology and education. Uh, For those of you who are listening in the future, um, this headline was written in November 2019, a time when technology use is ubiquitous in the world and usage in homes is increasing by the day, with fibre finally being rolled out to almost every home in the country. Um, In any case, it was a headline that really grabbed my attention. And given my background in technology and education, this might not come as a surprise to any of you. who might know me. However, what might surprise you is that I wasn't surprised by the headline at all. In this episode, I'm going to be exploring why technology use in, our, in, in, in Ireland and in Irish schools is on the decline and what we can do about it. And remind ourselves that technology should remain a methodology and not as a separate subject. Before we get into all of that, let's have a little look into the past and examine what does technology actually mean in terms of education. Well, 25 years ago, we might have said that technology was a resource, much like a pencil or a copybook or a textbook, as it was something you could use in order to help you learn, okay? It was a, it was a tool that you could use. At that time, schools were just on the verge of entering what was known, what's now known as the digital age for the first time. And the 1997 government plan, which was called IT2000, placed this, uh, basically what they did was they, part of that plan was to put a single PC, uh, a Gateway 2000, into every school. And they started giving courses to teachers on how to use them um, and how to, and basically that was IT2000's plan. Now, the internet at that time while it did exist in Ireland, you might be surprised to hear, I don't know, maybe you wouldn't be surprised to hear in 1997, not that many people in Ireland actually had internet access. I think it was in around 20 to 25% of people actually had internet at home. Um, my own house, uh, I was uh, an early adopter um, in Dublin. Uh, in my house, we got the internet in 1993, a few years before IT2000. And it was slow and it was ugly. That's the best way I can describe it. It was a dial-up connection and basically it took maybe 20 seconds for a tiny little picture to show up on a screen. Can you imagine uh, that today? Um, By 1997, uh, Google was invented, but things were extremely slow in Ireland. I mean, the best connection you might have is an ISDN connection. Um, I don't know if people remember that, but that wasn't particularly fast. It was possibly the equivalent of, I don't know, um, 512 kilobits. Um, which is less than one megabit. So if you're in a house with a gigabit fiber to your house, I mean, unquestionably, you just slow it down almost a million by 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 a million almost, and you you'll get what I'm looking at. It was, it, but things were getting a little less ugly, uh, less animated um, gifs, shall we say? Anyway, most people that own PCs use them for two reasons. Even back then in 1997, it wasn't for the internet. Um, it was for Microsoft Office, 
um, and computer games. <laughs> and uh, I remember playing some of those early pixely computer games on my PC with my uh, joystick. Um, it, 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 it's, it's funny how I don't think anyone owns a joystick anymore. It's, it's these, these fancy uh, pads uh, with about 100 buttons on them. I, 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 we, we, I, had, I think I had two buttons on my joystick. Um, anyway, there were very, very few educational pieces of software out there. Um, back then Granny's Garden I don't know if anyone remembers that it was one of the very early a very early educational game on the PC and where in the world is Carmen Sandiego another one however one game that stood the test of time is uh, and that's around at the moment was called Wordshark and you can actually see it in classrooms to this very day and it hasn't really changed that much since uh, its early incarnation it, that's why it possibly looks a little uglier than you might expect but it's super it was one of the it's, it's once stood the test of time for good reason but anyway basically when it came using technology in education things were very very limited and unsurprising that most teachers didn't use it a couple of years later as the 21st century grew in 2002 2003 this kind of time um, we did see other resources coming along including ones that were irish made um, know your ireland scse interactive and uh, who took the book which i made uh, with another teacher sorry for my phone there which i made with another teacher and um, there are just some examples none of them none of them by the way had any government support whatsoever they were all done um completely by um privately and um and it was a shame really it was a missed opportunity i would suggest uh from um the government to uh, not support them financially because um certainly um i mean i i, I wasn't ever going to uh, go go off and just make educational software i was happy being a teacher but um uh, the other two companies one of them i think is gone and uh the other one is is has is around um and um sort of still going um just about um i'm, I'm actually not quite sure how, how how he exists i know for a little while he had to move to america um and uh, i believe is back in the country anyway it was a very exciting time at the same time uh, to be involved in technology and education because it was all brand new but it was also highly infuriating um, up until 2005 for example less than four percent of teachers actually used technology at all in their classroom and far less children in fact the tide only turned around 2008 when interactive whiteboards start started to come on stream and within a couple of years and it was probably and likely still is the most used resource in a primary school classroom um, with faster broadband and that isn't always a guarantee further technology could be utilized and rather than being a resource technology could now rightly be called a methodology because one could now do things um, methodologies basically one couldn't do before without it and these things just so happen to be the four skills that are actually needed in the 21st century um, whether you're in a learning environment or a working environment, they become the four C's, the four skills that you need. Collaboration, communication, critical thinking, and creativity. And they are, they are the things that have replaced the three R's or certainly have added on to the three R's because the three R's obviously um, are somewhat important, not, not as important as they may have been in the uh, 20th century uh, where you needed the recall of uh, lots of facts. These days, facts um, don't particularly need um, recall as much as they used to as although that is useful let's take collaboration so we'll look at these uh, very briefly because um this this episode is more about um it, it, although it is about methodologies i don't want to uh, labor this point too much um because um you probably all know these uh four skills already i'll just uh, go through them quite quickly 
uh, collaboration anyway well one could collaborate in a limited way without technology insofar as you have to be in the same room at the same time with another person to collaborate services like uh, Google, so G Suites for Education, has suddenly allowed real-time collaboration between hundreds of people who don't necessarily have to be in the same room, let alone the same country. So you can actually be crea um, creating documents or creating slideshows with people who could be in America or New Zealand or whatever, and you're working together on the same document at the same time, um, whether that's a slideshow, whether it's a spreadsheet or whatever it might be. And that's something you couldn't do without technology. And think of that in a classroom. Uh, what can be done there, uh, for example, in an e-twinning project um, across, or an Erasmus Plus project. It's, uh, it's very, very exciting, I think. Um, let's go into communication. Very similarly to above, uh, with, um, without technology, communication was difficult enough to do. It was generally talking or maybe on a phone, a tops, or even um, a delay uh, that you would send a, uh, something to another school and they would send it back. So it couldn't be in real time. However, with technology, you can communicate easily outside the four walls of your classroom. Video conferencing now uh, has the ability for groups of people to talk to each other. So for example, in my school, 10 years ago, this, we, we were able to do this. Um, we had the New York Hall of Science, one of the most um, important science museums in the world, giving a real science lesson to the kids in my school in Carter, in my classroom. It was very cool. Um, basically, they were able to communicate with each other. It was actually a live lesson as if I had this scientist from the New York Hall of Science in my classroom. He was on a big screen and he could see my kids and my kids could see him and they did an experiment together. I thought it was very cool. Couldn't do that without technology unless you brought him over and paid him and uh, paid him to fly over to your classroom to do it. Anyway, the next one is critical thinking. And while I know you don't actually need technology for this, technology can actually help solve various problems in interesting ways. I'll give a trite example, uh, which is the, the prisoner's uh, dice game. Um, just for those of you who don't know what the prisoner's dice game is, uh, basically you have 12 prisoners, 12 prisoners in, in, in cells uh, marked 1 to 12. And basically you, uh, you, the idea is, is you roll two dice and whatever number comes in that, gives um is is given one point to a particular cell and at the end of the game the, the um the cell with the most points uh basically uh, is the one that escapes and if you play the game long enough you'll see that one number keeps coming up more often than other because rolling two dice you are more likely slightly more likely to roll a particular number uh, than the other numbers and then there's obviously the there's one particular one of the questions is which prisoner will never get out of jail and obviously if you're rolling two dice cell number one will never uh will never come up because the minimum you can get with two dice is two now while that's very easily played uh, manually how about if you roll the dice a hundred thousand times well you could be there for days and kids would be very bored so what you can do is you can use a computer or a piece of technology to write a little program to simulate this uh rolling of dice and what are the numbers that will come up so again you can do things quicker um, using that another example of course is we could test theories out uh, science theories or hypotheses with virtual experiments rather than um, physical experiments which again can be useful depending on the experiment uh, finally we'll take creativity uh, technology just basically gives us another dimension uh, when it comes to creativity uh, for example if we look at uh, art for example before technology art required uh, materials um, that you could uh, look at feel um smell uh, I, I i wouldn't exactly say taste uh, would be a good idea sometimes you could technology um expands that a little bit through uh through combining 
mathematics or digital stuff um, uh, to, to make interesting art and uh, many of you have seen um, digital art um, that that couldn't be done well, could be done using traditional methods but with uh, but in surprising ways I mean look at fractals for example they can be very very interesting um, and um, something something uh, that I suppose wasn't um, was very difficult to do without technology I ran um, digital art week for five years and I was really surprised to see the sorts of creative images children were able to come up with that they definitely wouldn't have been able to come up with uh, without technology um, so very interesting I mean there's loads of other examples about creativity and technology helping that and um, the one thing though and before I actually lay into the government there is one thing they got right in Ireland and that was to avoid the temptation of ma making technology a separate subject in the curriculum and this is the most important thing I think the government did. Now, I'm going to say that with a caveat. For whatever reason, teacher training colleges in Ireland do have technology as a separate subject. And I'll come back to that because I don't really understand why that is. Um, other countries um, like the UK or countries within the UK fell into the trap of making technology into a separate curriculum subject. And they taught kids all sorts of things with very limited use, how to work PowerPoint. I mean, what use is that? I mean, it's useful-ish, but what use is that in isolation? You need to integrate these things into the curriculum. So you can create a PowerPoint presentation, or if you don't use PowerPoint, you can use all sorts of other things to uh, be able to um, do something that's based on the curriculum. So for example, you, if you're learning the history of the Vikings, um, well, you can teach um, how, how to make a PowerPoint presentation through uh, your, your class on, t uh, on getting children to take an aspect of the Vikings. But anyway, that's kind of old school stuff nearly now. We'd be looking at collaborating and creating new ideas of how to do things. But basically, making a PowerPoint presentation in primary school, in fairness, um, is not the most sophisticated thing you can do anymore. And what happens with in, in, when you make technology a subject is things get outdated very quickly. Anyway, technology can't be simply called a resource anymore. It's definitely a methodology in um, and it's a way of, it's a basically now a way of doing things to help children, a methodology to help children learn. Technology has opened up new possibilities and we now have some very exciting new ways of learning. Um, for example, you might look up the flipped classroom, uh, for example, as an example of things that have actually happened because of technology. I won't go into that uh, now because uh, we're limited in our time and I've loads uh, to talk about. When it comes to technology, I do get more excited than I usually do. So this this episode, while I am going to be um, highly critical of, uh, of government policies, I do get excited when I talk about technology because there's so many possibilities. So hopefully, as well as the uh, the negative, I should be um, hopefully giving some positive um, ideas while I'm doing that. The problem with governments, though, is they they just I suppose how can I put it? They like to sniff around, and they re and at the moment and then for the last few years, they really like the sound of coding for some reason, and this is probably because. Um, a, a, there's a shortage of computer programmers in Ireland for the last number of years and they think that the solution to that is to get primary schools to teach coding. Now um, I can see what they're doing there by that is they're trying to make coding a subject or they're trying to integrate it or they're trying to make it as a strand uh, of something like the maths curriculum which which actually is a really bad idea by the way it's just a terrible idea maths is already um 
the most hated subject <laughs> if I, by teachers in, in many ways. If I think if you were to ask teachers what their least favorite subject of the core subjects would be, it would actually be maths. And then to put technology into it, something that's again unfamiliar, um, it makes it even worse. But anyway, that, that aside, what I've noticed um, though about this coding thing it's really interesting how it's slipping in i've noticed teacher training colleges now are setting assignments which ask trainees to teach coding in their teaching practices that's interesting to me and um uh, yeah i'm not sure i like it now coding might be a useful skill to have um i i i won't I, i'm not going to deny that it does support things like critical thinking and creativity but it certainly isn't something that needs to be taught discreetly from other subjects in, in much the same way as teaching someone how to use PowerPoint isn't that useful when it's taught discreetly from other subjects. Coding can be a methodology within other subjects. And this is where I come back to with coding. It is a type of methodology. And the reason for using it as a methodology for doing things rather than creating it as a subject is that, the, that, is that it makes that it helps children to see that coding can be used in all areas of the curriculum. How, I mean, how do you think Google Maps works? Like for geography, like to, for geography, it's all coded. I mean, coding happens even in a map. You can actually code your maps in Google, uh, in Google Maps to do interesting things by um, personalizing them. I mean, look at any subject, how, how technology and coding, uh, particularly within technology, can be used to make uh, any subject um, better. You can program timelines in history. You can, um, I'm just trying to think of different um, uh, particular different subjects off the top of my head. Um, some of the maths curriculum coding can help. I just like to avoid, uh, because it's too obvious, putting maths and coding together um, to, 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 do, uh, to do interesting things. But anyway, I, I'm... Um, Again, as I said, there's lots and lots of ways if we can use it as a methodology. The, but the other side, the other side of it is, is let's say the government did force through coding into um, Irish primary schools. What I'm, what I have a problem with here is the following. Okay, there's so few teachers in Ireland that are fully qualified computer programmers. Okay, so given that there are so few teachers who are fully qualified computer programmers, I'm a fully qualified. Well. I wouldn't say fully qualified computer programmer. 20 years ago, I was a fully qualified computer programmer. But asking them to teach computer programming inevitably just isn't going to work. You know, if you're not qualified, if you're not qualified as a computer programmer, how can you be asked to teach computer programming? We don't ask teachers to teach plumbing or car mechanics because, is that right? Car mechanics, because we're not qualified to do that. I mean, even basic coding requires some level of background in the theory of programming to teach it well. Um, so unfortunately, much like what's happened in the UK with coding, coding is taught in what best can be described as coding by numbers, okay? Now, what do I mean by that? Well, the best analogy I can give is the difference between visual arts and arts and crafts, right? Any idiot, any idiot could teach arts and crafts. Honestly, you just simply follow a series of steps and everybody ends up with the same paper plate result with, a, with some sheep or a face with a beard made of cotton wool. I don't know what it is. Now, it might look pretty, but art it is not. Visual arts is where children get to express themselves with their own artistic endeavours. They're given the materials, they're given a stimulus, and they try and try and try again to do something art artful. And the result that they come up with in the end, after several tries and several attempts, is completely different from their peers. They don't just get 
what they want to do the first time. That's craft. That's art and craft. It's lovely. It's a nice activity, but it's not educational. It's not pedagogical. Computer computer coding or computer programming, I don't know why it's called coding now. Coding seems to be cool, but computer coding is similar. You give someone a problem to solve, so your stimulus, and using coding, and depending on who you are, you might actually code it differently, depending on what the problem is, okay? So coding to me is basically breaking anything up into its individual bits, as you would see it. So for example, let's, let's pick a practical example. If I was to ask you to run a 5K race, okay, at, the, at, your, at your best, to do your best to run a 5K race, how would you do it? Well, some people might decide to run as fast as they can for as long as their breath holds out. And some might, might decide to have a set pace that they go at consistently for the entire five kilometers. Some might go fast and then ease into a stride. So they start off fast and ease into some sort of stride, which they can hold. Some might half walk, half run, and others might do something else. But basically everyone is going to finish the 5K. But some are gonna get there better using some sort of strategy. Um, and But everyone will have done it in their own way because if everybody did the same way, it wouldn't be a race. Everyone would finish at the same time. And then it wouldn't be a race and it'd be very boring and there'd be no winners and no losers. And yeah, you get what I'm saying. So if we're gonna be teaching coding, we actually need to be teaching, instead of teaching coding, we need to be teaching thinking. Thinking instead, this is what I've been saying for a, over a decade. We don't need to be teaching coding exactly because coding is just the way we, um, is, 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 is the, um, it, it isn't really what we need. It, it's, it's basically a, a load of um, lines of, of instructions that you do and there's very few of them. There aren't that many, there's not much you can do in coding. It's quite limited into three things. You basically have sequences, uh, conditions and loops. I mean, that's basically coding in, in, in three words. But you know, it's what we need to do before we do any of those things is to think before we do it because you don't just go onto a computer and start coding without planning. You need with coding, you need to plan what you're doing. So we need to be teaching the thinking skills instead. We need to be giving children problems to break down. And sometimes thinking like a coder will make that task more efficient. But sometimes coding isn't the answer. And in fact, most of the time to solve a problem, a computer program isn't going to solve it. And the problems we have have to be realistic. They have to be age appropriate. And you know, the problem we have is that teachers need to know the building blocks of coding so that they can help children. So at the moment, most teachers don't know the building blocks of coding. Um, and much like every subject, we don't have the expert to teach it. I mean, like, I don't, I don't expect teachers to be experts at coding, but they need to have the basics. I mean, like, I, I'll give you an example. I mean, I taught a communion class once in my very early in my career and i had no rat's breeze what i was to do with it i wasn't brought up in the catholic tradition i had no idea what i was doing the only i was aware i was aware the communions went on i mean i lived in a little bubble i didn't i never went to a communion before i started before i i don't think i ever went to a communion um uh, in a church uh, before i um became a teacher and basically somebody else had my partner teacher basically had to tell me exactly what to do all the time because I hadn't an idea. 
Now, but in fairness, I mean, I suppose, I mean, it's a bad example, actually, because communion isn't like art or coding. The children actually do end up having to do the same thing. They also have to look the same and they also have to do the same thing. Anyway, it's a really bad analogy. But what we don't, um, the point is, we don't have to be experts. We do need the foundations of anything that we are going, that we're being asked to teach. And in some ways, I think the government's obsession with trying to get us all to teach coding may be one of the reasons that technology use has reduced since 2011. Because since then, there's been this, well, not since exactly 2011, but soon, soon after, about 2015, there has been this pressure to uh, code. Um, and it certainly was there maybe in 2011. I certainly remember Scratch being introduced to me as early as 2006, I think. Um, so... There are, they are actually basically asking us to do something we're not even, not that we're not qualified to do. Not, we, don't even, we haven't even given the foundations whatsoever to do it. And even if it is a really bad idea in the first place, which I think it is, so ultimately very few people are doing it, despite the government's kind of, it's almost like, I go on, go on, go on, do coding, go on, do coding. We know we can't really tell you to do it, force you to, because then we'd have to actually invest in, 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 in appropriate training and in appropriate software and in appropriate, but go on, do it anyway. You know, so it's sort of a catch-22 there. So anyway, according to the media, the latest international data indicates that there's been a significant drop in the number of children using computers to learn at primary school in Ireland over recent years. Um, and in some ways, I kind of find this a little bit funny that there's been a significant drop in the number of children using computers uh, to learn in primary school. Because if you looked at most of the tabloid papers, you'd actually think the opposite was happening with these silly, mad attempts to ban screens in school down with this sort of thing, sort of stuff. Especially when there's almost universal access to devices and computers at home with over 90% of 11-year-olds in Ireland owning a smart device in Ireland. I wish we had 90% of our kids having a smart device in their schools. But as we said, this study, this new research is from um, someone called Dr. Emer Ivers, who came to my attention uh, through the IPPN's um, Deputy Principals Conference and, uh, and basically came up in the Irish Times. It draws data from multiple uh, studies uh, nationally and internationally between 2011 and 2016. And according to the Irish Times, her report suggests that some of the reasons for the decline in computer use in school may be linked to reduced access to computers, poor internet connectivity and inadequate tech support. Now that will come as no surprise to any uh, teacher in this country. The report shows a sizable drop in the percentage of Irish pupils saying they regularly use computers in schools and it's down from 46% in 2011. So nearly half of children were using computers for learning in 2011 to only 23%, less than one in four in 2016. As I said before, I wasn't actually surprised to read these results in the study regarding the decline in computer usage in schools since 2011. Back then, the interactive whiteboard, for example, was still a novelty. And teachers are actually spending their days playing around with software like Active Inspire, and children were all excited by to be touching a big magic screen with a magic pen, and it was all magic, and everything was great, and the children were learning, kind of, using this magic pen on this magic screen. But of course, like everything, the novelty ran out. Of course it ran out. I've, I mean, I said this at the time. Just, it, the magic is not... It, it, it might be fun it belongs in harry potter novels and things like that but in the real world magic is a finite resource it's grand for a time and it's great for a time but novelty runs out and the interactive whiteboard just becomes another teaching tool 
and a very limited one at that and we know that for a while that the interactive whiteboard isn't the greatest teaching tool in the world it's it's fine it's certainly not a learning tool anyway by 2016 anyway what advances did we actually make in terms of pedagogy and unfortunately i'd have to say because partially because of the government's obsession with coding i'd argue almost none I've identified significant problems in digital technology over the last decade, which can be loosely divided into two parts, money and mindset. Okay, so I'm going to go through that uh, for the second half of this uh, podcast episode. The governments are in charge of the money bit because schools surprisingly don't make money and their investment has been at best pitiful, especially in significant areas such as broadband, technical support and hardware. Now, it's no secret that most people's broadband in their house is significantly better than the speed and reliability available in their local primary school. And there is absolutely no excuse for this anymore. Every school in the country should at least have fibre directly into the school and have the ability to um, use this technology to have the fastest broadband that is available right now and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be at all difficult we have fiber to homes directly into homes i cannot for the life of me understand how we can't have fiber to schools straight away with at least one gigabit of broadband in every school it's what's needed particularly in schools um where there's a number of um, devices the government have been messing around on this issue for far far too long and they've been actually trying to cut corners with very limited investment and an almost complete abandonment of primary schools the 100 megabit uh, scheme for secondary schools uh basically only focused on secondary schools basically and it's already out of date 100 megs is slow these days well it's not slow but it's not that fast and even their 2019 targets for primary schools were ridiculous 40 percent of schools would have fast broadband according to kamasu uh, which was their annual target setting plan now fast broadband just to put that into context is 30 megabits of broadband and only 40 percent of schools would have that by the end of 2019 it's not fast 30 megs at the moment it's amazing since that article was written we're, we're, we're looking at least um 10 times that speed there's also been zero investment in technical support at primary level zero actually zero can you imagine your own business if you are not a teacher can you imagine your own business surviving without a single bit of investment in technical support for ict and in irish primary schools there just is none and this means that when anything stops working or anything goes wrong in a primary school in a country there is no one to fix it except for enthusiastic teachers who are not qualified to do the fixing there is no one to fix it not only is there no one to fix it in the school there's no one to fix it in the entire country schools are actually forced to find money from from a grant um which is now, didn't rise uh, to 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 uh, to basically to correspond for the uh, for, for this kind of thing anyway. They need to find money to pay private companies to fix their computers, and the cost generally is a ninety euro an hour out of their government grants, which should be going on educating children. It shouldn't be going on fixing computers. I've long argued that the government should be able to create clusters of technical support teams in various areas that would not only fix computer problems within 48 hours, but they'd also be in charge of some sort of consistent purchasing mechanism. Because again, schools are left to their own devices to buy whatever they can afford, which is generally very little. And wouldn't it be better to centralize this? And speaking of this, the biggest joke of all is the complete haphazard way funding has been given to school and the total lack of consistency in how it works. 
every school in the country has a different setup in terms of technology. It's, 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 I mean, I've described that as snowflakes, but now snowflakes means a different thing in 2019. But it is like that. Every school is totally different. It's astonishing how poorly managed technology is in Ireland in the education system. Can you imagine going into a school where every single classroom had, had I don't know, 20 different types of table and 20 different types of chair, you know, it, it just wouldn't happen. But this is what happens in Irish schools according with technology. There's no consistency. And unlike other countries where there's some sort of central agency that manages technology, every school in Ireland is a private body. And that means money is given, uh, um, when money is given, they are in control of how it is spent. And that's different to the school up the road, the or, the, or every school basically, um, be, uh, because there is, a huge amount of autonomy and autonomy while it is is fantastic in lots of ways it isn't always a good idea when it comes to creating clusters of networks which technology really relies on to do well money is also given really sporadically and it's never enough to do what we need to do there was almost no investment in technology from the government for over a decade between 1998 and 2016 except for a grant in between given for establishing computer networks sometime in the mid noughties i think it was around 2003 for 2004 maybe i can't remember then there's the lack of investment in pedagogical tools for teachers um, i mentioned before the the irish software companies who um were developing pieces of irish software now their market for that were 3200 schools i mean you're not going to earn a living from trying to sell to 3200 schools even at that time we were set most people would sell their piece of software it's amazing you wouldn't get away with it today 99 uh, euro or 99 pounds i think it was euro uh for for a cd um for a school so the most you were going to make is 3200 multiplied by 100 so 320000 euro that's it um maximum which is a lovely piece of money but it's not you're not going to earn a career out of 320000 um euro you might get it that might be worth um well after you lose your costs half of them gone 160000 profit that's you know, five years of a of a, a, a thirty two thousand euro a year, um, in earnings. I I, I anyway. I I think you see where I'm going here. Um, basically, the government should have taken these companies on to actually develop software and pay them pay them a wage, um, to to create lots of software. Um, anyway, if you look at Wales, for example, their government actually invested heavily in online native content to support the curriculum. We basically steal it, um, and, and, and which is fine for some subjects, but the curriculum doesn't map. The Irish government created Skullnet, which is basically a list of links to websites, um, few of which, which have been created with Ireland in mind. None of the content has been created inside Skullnet stores, and this has been a huge disappointment. It's actually over 20 years since Skullnet was established, and it's actually astonishing that not once did they think to spend time creating native content to support the curriculum. And again, I've argued this for over 15 years that this should have happened. Indeed, I even created, as I've said to you before, one of the very first native pieces of software to support the cross-curricular cross learning in 2003 with another teacher. It was easily done by an amateur like me. And an investment, I would say an investment of less than 1 million euro could go a very, very long way to making content to aid teaching. However, much like every school, Skullnet is a haphazard mess of bits and pieces from all sorts of everywhere. And it's no wonder most Irish teachers look elsewhere to support the curriculum. For example, look at Twinkle, um, which is dedicated, which actually saw it was worth their while to create dedica dedicated sections to the Republic of Ireland, despite it being a UK company and very well supported. 
um, you would be it's it's amazing that the government didn't create a twinkle or even what the Welsh uh, Assembly made in the meantime teacher training as I said has been appalling appalling focusing on tokenistic nods and very limited content creation one of the most bizarre things is that ICT is a separate subject in teacher training colleges this effectively means that all the curriculum subjects have little in the way of digital learning and it's almost outsourced to the ICT modules so basically if you're an English uh, uh, lecturer you don't bother teaching the technology aspect to it because you can outsource it to the ICT guys and it's uh, and basically it's an outdated it's it's a totally outdated idea and it's way too general the ICT module every ICT module I've seen is outdated and too general and every teacher training college basically in my opinion should close their ICT uh, sections and absorb them into every curriculum subject so you don't fire anyone just move all the people uh, into uh, teaching the, uh, their curriculum subjects however it's the same after teacher training look at any education uh, education centers courses there's separate sections in every education center for curriculum um, courses and then technology courses for teachers and I don't really understand that. Why are they not put together? I, I mean, I, I know the history behind it because there used to be ICT advisors who created separate courses, but they've been gone for over a decade. Just put the courses in one big list. Don't have separate technology courses. I don't really understand it. Anyway, basically, we need teacher training to focus on helping teachers use technology in a pedagogical way. And by separating technology from the curriculum in terms of training gives a very strong message that ICT is an add-on exasperating a mindset that it's separate anyway speaking of which there is a problem with teachers and our own reluctance to embrace technology in education we have to be honest about this and if nothing else i feel i, I being being honest about things or maybe think uh, at least sort of putting it out there i don't know if it's true but um i'm only going on um what i hear um, and see uh, on the various uh, in the various places I look. Um, despite all the obstacles I've discussed, there is actually still a significant number of teachers in this country um, who are doing wonderful things with technology, despite the limitations. Okay, I have to. We have to say that first and foremost. There is some wonderful stuff going on, but one of the problems there is a problem, and it's epidemic in Irish schools. Is this wide acceptance of the of this the following the following sentence? I'm no good with technology. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's not good enough. I'm not good at technology, so I don't use it. I mean, no one would dare say, or certainly publicly, I'm, I'm not good at Irish, so I just don't teach it. We have to stop allowing people to say they aren't good at technology and accepting it. And we need to demand that there is proper investment in all the areas I've spoken about above. I get it that people, I suppose people are saying it. I don't think it's true, first of all. I think people are much better at technology than they actually think they are. But there isn't, an, the, the training that they're given is, gives that mindset because it's seen as separate. The research anyway on the, de the decline of technology is embarrassing given Ireland is the centre of technology in Europe. All the big companies, all these big multinational companies are in Ireland. And the fact that now there's a decline of technology on paper looks very embarrassing to me. Um, however, no one was less surprised than me, as I said. Unfortunately, we are we are already easily over a decade behind where we should be in terms of pedagogy and there's a huge amount to fix. Now the report published suggests that some of the reasons for the decline in computer use in schools might be linked to reduced access to computers, poor internet connectivity and inadequate tech support as I said before. However, I'd actually argue it's more than this, much more than this. I believe the key areas 
we need investment are fair enough broadband technical support yes but also teacher training digital support materials consistent hardware acquisition a centralized management system for ict i haven't actually even mentioned the digital learning framework because it isn't actually worth mentioning we need a proper framework for digital learning the only thing i'll say about the digital learning framework is it needs to be scrapped and it needs to be replaced very quickly so basically i'm coming to the end now <laughs> you'll be you'll be glad to hear um basically ict in education in ireland is a bit of a mess um coming to the end of this decade of the 2010s 25 20 maybe 30 30 years no 25 years really since technology started coming into primary schools in a big way there has been technology in schools since the 70s 1970s but in, in reality it was the end of the 90s 1990s when technology became a little bit more mainstream the government are not investing in technology properly there is actually no real plan there is no real infrastructure and there is no real connectivity and yet the government seemed to think that teaching children coding is the answer, which of course it isn't. We actually really need to take a really hard look at technology in primary schools. This study has really, um, has been, is really interesting to me, despite not being surprised um, by it, by that news, uh, that it's a dip, a dip that children are using, like less than 25% of children are using technology for learning. It's really timely that it's come out and it should be a shot um, a kick up the bottoms for, for us as a profession but not really us as a profession but more so the government who have uh, who have allowed this to happen and um, it's it's really timely that this research has come out and i'm actually really really welcome this research and I, I i do hope it does it does something the government really need to take a long hard look at this problem and they really need to try and solve it i'm pretty sure there isn't a computer program or a code in the world that could do it though I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode and please be sure to tune in to uh, If I Were the Minister for Education every Wednesday morning just in time for your midweek slump. It is almost sure to get your blood boiling whether you agree with me or not. Uh, this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify and any other podcasting app by searching for either onshaw.net or If I Were the Minister for Education. I'd really, really, really appreciate you subscribing to this podcast so each new episode will be available to you immediately after its release. And please also feel free to review the podcast so others can find it more easily. I, I must say um, I do um, enjoy um, doing uh, podcast episodes on technology. It is, it is an area that... Um, I, I suppose is, is is my background and I, 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 I do feel I have a little um, bit of expertise in the area and uh, even though this is, is, an, is an episode um, where a negative headline has really piqued my interest um, it's it's something that I think that sometimes it's, it's a very very good idea to really use that uh, use this these these uh, headlines and, and really explore where we are where we've been and where, where the future is and um, it was something I suppose I, I wasn't thinking that much about I suppose I've been delving a lot into other areas outside of IT but looking at the landscape uh, coming towards the end of the 21st century I actually do believe we are in a far worse position um, when it comes to technology and education than we actually were back when I started teaching in the very early part of the uh, of the 2000s and um, so nearly uh, 20 years later um, I actually think uh, while technology has become more powerful become more useful become more user-friendly um, I, I, I feel um, 
and maybe this is because there's so much more one can do now and things are much more complex we're falling further and further behind where we could be and this is i mean no doubt this is uh, this is to do with um lack of leadership in terms of uh, government uh, teacher training colleges and so on um, we are basically doing the same things we were doing back in the uh, back in the late 90s uh, in terms of technology and education and um that that is uh, i mean in terms of technology um that is many lifetimes ago it's time for us really to get into the 21st century we're already 20 years behind almost at this stage um how we're going to do that is going to require a lot of work um we have we we really do have to start um almost from the beginning we're um and i do hope this episode might start that conversation i don't think it does um i mean it's only me um speaking into a microphone but i i I do think there's some some ideas that can actually come from this and uh, maybe start a plan um which uh, could become um, a revised digital uh, learning framework one that actually really thinks about technology how it can be used as a methodology and maybe that's the key thinking of technology as a methodology rather than a resource and if we can do that and not be tempted uh, by the um by coding as a subject or by um by any other fancy sexy things then um maybe we could have a bit of success listen thanks so much for listening to this, ep- uh, this episode um i'll be back hopefully next week uh, with the next episode um we'll see what's going on in the world um and uh, have an episode based on that thanks a million see you then bye bye <laughs>